IATSE Local 212 represents over 1,000 artists, technicians, and craftspeople working in Southern Alberta's entertainment industry. In the screen industry, they serve projects with budgets ranging from $100,000 to $100 million. Recent increases to local production volumes have led to increased outreach and training. Uh, They promote respectful workplaces, safety, fairness, and first-rate benefits for their members. Local 212 is open to partnering with other industry stakeholders on training and marketing initiatives. They offer an informative set etiquette course each month, which is open to all. To learn more about them, please check out their website, iatsi212.com, or like and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm Scott Westby. And this is a podcast where we talk about all the, the fun news deadlines and, uh, and, and talk to a special guest sometimes. Not this episode. Not this episode. But uh, all about the Alberta film and uh, screen industries world. Uh, thanks for joining us again. Um, it's been a long time for, from, since I've been on this thing. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. I'm we, trying to think of... You were on vacation and, and then... Yeah. yeah it's probably and been a month did, and a half. Yeah, yeah. It's been busy. So I did an yeah. episode. You were back. Yeah, you're right. Actually, we I told them I told the audience you'd be back, I'm and, back. Then you, and then you weren't back. The oh, next but now but I now am. <laughs> yeah. uh, so here you are, and uh, let's jump into the news. Sure. So uh, there's a new doc um, being made in Alberta that is focused on Alberta creators, and they are looking for subjects to appear in the doc. So it's called the Alberta Internet Creators Project. It's a documentary about Alberta creators, specifically those who are focused on online content. So YouTubers, vloggers, Twitchers, etc. Podcasters. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but if you want, uh, if you want to be involved or featured as a subject, uh, you can apply at jimberjam.com slash AICP. Uh, that's great. Great, great idea. Yeah, that's cool. And, and uh, uh, I really like Jimber Jam. We've, we've talked about them yeah, before. Yeah, a couple times. Uh, so, uh, some good news for some filmmakers, um, in Alberta, uh, three in particular in Edmonton and three in Calgary. Um, thanks to the, uh, project lab put on by the Calgary film center. Uh, six of these filmmakers or filmmaking teams will be receiving some funding to, uh, create, uh, various projects, um, based on, uh, their submissions. And we are one of them. We did it. L- lucky for us, uh, we, we actually received some funding last year to develop a project called Jonesen. And now we have received some additional money to move into uh, production on that project. So that's very exciting. But we're not the only big winners. Certainly not. Who else, Scott? Well, there's... <laughs> um, I'm going to butcher most of these names. So I'll start with Paige Boudreaux. Nice. I think I know that one. I think you got that one. Uh, for her project. She's based out of Calgary and her project just off Main Street uh, got some money. There is uh, Cam McGowan, uh, also from Calgary, uh, whose feature film Red Letter Day uh, is getting some money. And then in Edmonton, there's uh, Morgan Ermter for Abracadavers, which is in production right now, I think. Um, Kelly Kelly Wolfert for Spider Mabel the Movie. And uh, Christine Vargas for Music of the Motherland. So yeah, six projects uh, either going into production or uh, finishing funds, um, which is really exciting. That is exciting, and it's a it's it's always it's always nice when there's a new funding source available for filmmakers in in the province. I remember when Story Hype happened, and it was like, wow, this is doesn't this exist, is crazy because yeah. It, yeah, it's new money that that's available. It's uh, so it's an exciting thing. So thanks to the uh, to the Project Lab, thanks to the Film Center, uh, and and their sponsor of this show. So we appreciate them extra, extra much, extra much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's English. Yeah, yeah, all those words are English, which means it's it's English. <laughs> Extra more. Uh, cool. Yeah, so that's so, the big news, obviously, for, for at least us. Uh, we're, we're making a movie this summer. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think for Calgary and Edmonton, it's awesome to see uh, such such an amount of, of excellent projects moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it never happened before. So Awesome. So uh, we have been uh, pretty busy lately, uh, and we haven't actually uh, had a chance to record with a guest, but... Uh, we have been uh, holding on to a, an episode for quite a while. Um, you went to you went to Berlin uh, to go to the film market there, 
and uh, we recorded an episode all about it, and it kind of just got stored and, and saved, and so we thought now would be a good time to share it with the audience. Um, keeping in mind, though, I guess, when was this? April of... This would have well. I went to Berlin in February of last year, okay. so it would have been probably March when I got right. when I came back. Right. Okay, so it's yeah, probably about a year old. Okay, cool. But uh, so there has been another one since. Um, but it's uh, you know, I, as I recall, the conversation was really good, and not just about Berlin, but about all of the the markets that are. Well, yeah, because you've been to the uh, American film market, right. and I hadn't, yeah. right? So yeah. we were kind of swapping stories and, and right. comparing the two for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, hope we hope you enjoy, and uh, we'll be back with uh, the deadlines after this uh, uh, market episode with you and I. Matt. All right. This is a special. Very special episode. A special interview. What is, uh, what, what is this? Well, okay, presumably they've already read the title, which is something to the effect of... Film markets. Attending film markets or, yeah, or something? Yeah, what, what the hell is a film market anyway? Right, so, we don't, so they already know that. Yeah, so We're you not. know what you're getting into. Um <laughs> But this is also just us. We don't have a guest. We are mm-hmm, a guest mm-hmm. today. Just a special non, non-season episode. So what happened um, to you, Matt, a few years ago? Yeah, so uh, we talk often about the NSI Features First program and how great that was for us. And uh, when you attend the, the Features First program, you, you get a, a, a sum of money to support the development of the project that you're, you're working on through that program. And, um, we opted to spend some of that money to send me to the American film market in LA. Um, and it's a, it's a cool event, but if, if you don't know anything about film markets, it's not a film festival. Um, and it, but you know, being in LA, there are a lot of people there who are, um, you know, major players, ish in in the industry um while i was there i saw ufa bowl do you remember ufa bowl yeah he's just hanging out on the on the sidewalk um not a very liked guy no, at the time. certainly not i was like yeah and he was living yeah uh not a very liked guy anymore at all i, I think but but regardless he was doing meetings and and getting projects off the ground and that's what you do there is um you uh i mean really the market at least that market and we can talk about different markets soon but it, it i got the vibe that really that market was for finished projects you know right. one way to get your film financed is to uh get a distributor on board and so the markets are filled with distributors and could you theoretically go to a meeting with them and they love your idea and want to kick in some money into the budget to make it happen and with the hopes that when it's done, they get they get to have it afterwards, or at least to have some of the rights for some of the time. Right. Um, that that is a bit, in my experience, a, a bit of a pipe dream. Um, and and so, good lesson for for me yeah. being there. Uh, not having a completed project was was I think pretty debilitating as far as getting meetings and getting interest from people. Um, luckily, though. A wonderful filmmaker named John Jaffe, who we need to get on the podcast, but has unfortunately defected to Toronto, it seems. <laughs> He'll come back. Yes. He'll come back. Uh, he's, he's doing the CFC program. And he uh, he was there with, with, a, with his finished film, um, Burlesque Assassins. Right. And uh, his strategy uh, was, and I, I hope this is okay that I share this, but he was kind enough to invite me into some meetings and, and, and kind of get... Uh, the vibe of of what it's like to to do that, um, and the way the way I th- I think that he got those meetings was being able to say, look, I've got this completed feature film, and the, some of the rights are available, and uh, I'd love to talk to you about that, and then talk to you about these other projects that are not complete that are that need financing, and so that's kind of the way of getting the foot in the door. Um, so beyond that, uh, there were some great uh, talks, events. There was a really cool pitch con- uh, contest where I think. I think something like 50 different people went up and pitched to real producers. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, major yeah. producers. Saw, and, and we got to see their pitches, and then they got critiqued right afterwards. And there was a winner, uh, and they received some sort of monetary, I, I'm not sure, some sort of meeting or, or deal or something. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, so so that was very enlightening to see what the producers thought of uh, these pitches. And some people went into... Um, that those pitches in front of a room of you know a, a thousand people maybe, uh, with like 
a finished poster. And this is this is something I thought that was was interesting that I've never come up against before. But one of the producers said, uh, or or I guess distributors uh, said, you know, I, you brought your own poster, and I I I think that's cool, but it makes me nervous because we do the the marketing when you're coming to us and with with a finished product, finished film. Um, we worry that if you've got a poster, you're going to be one of these filmmakers who wants to do everything and won't let us do our job at all. So making the poster is our thing. And, uh, and, and I think sometimes you can see that the difference between when, when, you know, filmmakers who don't necessarily know graphic design or the ones right. behind their, their poster, it doesn't always go so well. Certainly. Um, so yeah, that was, that was interesting. I, uh, and I, I learned about a, a, a website there called seed and spark. Um, which is a, which is a crowdfunding website that unfortunately is not available in Canada, but it's like really, really filmmaker focused. Like Kickstarter, it's any project, it's games, it's board games, it's it's whatever. Um, GoFundMe is is for charitable things. Indiegogo sure. is maybe a little bit closer uh, to specific film, but this one is all about uh, film and filmmakers in general. And it's cool because some some of the things that you contend with with kickstarter like um the fact that if you fail the page is up there forever right uh or was at least i'm not sure if that's still the case or not but uh with seed and spark that goes away if, you, if you're not successful um and they have a, a membership base uh this is this is, i've just kind of poked in on what they're up to lately they have a membership base where uh you pay something like ten dollars a month and $5 goes to new projects and $5 goes to watching content. And they have a little distribution platform. And, oh, cool. and if you, uh, if you watch content on there, you're actually feeding that money back to filmmakers. I think they get, uh, I think seed and spark takes 35% or something. Um, so that's, so that's really cool. It's just too bad. It's not available in Canada. Um, so I learned about that there and, uh, what else? What t- tell me about the physical? Yeah, what, yeah, what, if, sure. If I'm going to a film market, the American film market specifically. Mm-hmm. What what the fuck am I getting into? Yeah, so it's in Santa Monica. It's right on the beach, um, and it's in uh, like like uh, it's in this cool hotel um, that I'm forgetting the name of. But they take all the beds out of every hotel room, <laughs> and they put them somewhere in storage. And every hotel room turns into an office for distribution companies to hold meetings and, and have coffees and conversations with, with filmmakers and and other distributors. Um, and a lot of them are also kind of showing off what they have. So there are a a ton of posters for work that they own. Um, and I suppose if you're a distributor, you could make a relationship with another distributor in another part of the world who has relationships and you could, you could find a way to, uh, exploit, uh, the, the content in your library in other parts of the world, um, through other, another distributor. Um, and so that's, so that's what they're doing is, is networking and, and learning more about other, other, other companies and other projects. Um, and filmmakers are there trying to sell their, their films to, uh, distribution companies. So, um, you're literally just kind of like walking around this hotel and, uh, seeing posters for other films and, and kind of like popping in and saying hello and, and, and leaving business cards and things like that. And then there's parties, of course, every night, and um, there's you know food and drink and and uh, uh, what else? Oh, the other thing about it was was I don't know if this is true of Berlin, but it was very uh, like disjointed. There were a lot of a lot of things going on, but in various areas around Santa Monica. So right. so it was it was okay because there were always free buses and shuttles to get to and from other areas as long as you had your pass you could get to whatever was going on somewhere else but sometimes they were like 10 15 minutes away by bus um at a, at another hotel where this conversation's happening this talk is happening um and uh and that was kind of it the 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 one of the biggest takeaways i think though was from I went to I went to a, a talk on one of the first days that was like, "What the hell do I do at a film market?" So I was like, "That's for me. That's perfect." <laughs> uh, and the the guy who I believe was the executive director or, or one of the head honchos of the of the market was kind of slamming film festivals, and um, to a degree, I, I I have to agree with him, and not that film festivals are bad, but in his words, the worst outcome for your film is a festival run. So. The idea being that, and obviously he wants he wants to make the distributors who've come a long way in many cases sure, yeah. feel welcome. But 
the idea being that you want to to exploit your film, you want to have it make money, um, because if you're just doing a festival run and maybe getting some awards, uh, the problem with that is you're you're blowing that first premiere screening at a film festival. So it so if you've screened at ten or fifteen North American cities, a distributor might look at that and say. Oh well, a lot of the people who've seen your film uh, are, are probably the people who wanted to see it the most. So, right. are we really going to make many sales if they've already seen it? Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that was that was a perspective I hadn't really thought of before. Um, and and yeah, it's certainly valid. You know, if you are looking to to commercially create film and uh, generate income off of your your property, um, yeah, step one is probably to to get a distribution deal uh, if you can. And then he was like, yes. And if, if it's not working out, go, go with the festival run. It's always better to get that buzz. It's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's just not going to help you sell a lot of uh, copies of it. So that was, that was kind of my experience. Um, I, uh, I mean, we were, we're definitely still uh, working on this synapse film and trying to, trying to get it off the ground. Um, but uh, I had a great meeting there with the, with the DOP, uh, Sarah Polly's DOP. Um, he was in LA shooting a, a show called something. It unfortunately, got canceled. But uh, it, uh, I watched it. It was a cool show, and uh, he was a great DP. And he's uh, he had some really cool things to say. And um, yeah, so so meetings. How, how, do you, how, do you get, how do you get meetings? How did you go about? Yeah, that? so so the if if you've ever been to a uh, a conference like the Banff World Media Festival um, or something to that effect, there there is a a website where once you pay your membership fee, you kind of gain access to this member world, and um, you don't get uh, email addresses or necessarily contact information of everyone who's going. But if they would like to be contacted, and most people do. Um, you can email them or message them through an intra website email like service. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it goes to their email, but you don't actually get to see what their email is. Right. right. Um, so, so yeah, it was just a matter of like kind of going through and, and unfortunately the no, no conference I've been to has perfected that yet because you really want to be able to target who you're looking for. Right. If you're, if you're, if you're a sales agent, you're looking for filmmakers with completed films who like, it's not that easy to find those people and, and, and vice versa. So, um, so yeah, I think it would be good if, if, if it was easier to kind of like narrow down who, who, yeah. yeah, who you're looking for. But, um, do you remember how much it cost? I don't, I don't, I don't believe that it was all that much as far as the membership or the, the, um, the pass pass cost. Right. Um, I, I think in the vicinity of $300, which is maybe, maybe it must be more because Banff is quite a bit more than that. But uh, but yeah, it's the accommodation and the travel that, that yeah. is the cost there right, for sure. Of course, of course. So uh, so yeah, you you just kind of cold message people and try to say, hey, we've got this project, um, and hopefully you've done your research about each of the people you're reaching out to, and and kind of are trying to target your messaging to what they're into, what they're about. If if they do documentary films about for, for you know for children uh, for the education market, you're probably not going to want to be peddling a, a violent horror film to that person that that's right. just not going to make any sense. Um, and that's, and that I've, I've heard producers say that's the most common mistake that they, that they receive, uh, or experiences is filmmakers who don't know what they do approaching them about the project that they want to make. And, and so, you know, if, if somebody only does TV, if you look at their resume and they only do TV, a feature film is probably not on their radar, right. especially not right now when, when it's not very hot. Um, <sighs> Damn, that takes a lot of time. It does, yeah. You're right. I think I think people don't recognize that that just just starting by doing your due diligence and finding the right mm-hmm. people to, to reach out to um, is a massive undertaking. Yeah, for sure. And, but so important, mm-hmm. right? Because because you if you're not doing that, if you're just blasting an email out for starters, um, they know. Mm-hmm. Just like we know when we get an email. Oh yeah, it's the, not the copy and paste yeah, job. The yeah, copy paste thing. It doesn't work. Yeah. It really doesn't. It needs to be researched, and they know if it's a fit pretty quickly, mm-hmm. uh, as should you. Yeah. As should you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's it doesn't, I mean, it takes a long time to go through. Like, that's why I want more uh, more refinement in the in the, like narrowing down yeah, who the exactly. people are yeah, because you kind of have to do you kind of have to do the work yourself to figure out okay so this is a producer great that sounds like what i what i do but if you if what you do is 
documentaries, uh, they may very well not be the person to talk to. So, um, so yeah, unfortunately, a lot of that work is on is on you to uh, to make sure you're 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 doing it right. And like you say, the you know copying and pasting uh, the same message to a lot of people is it's a strategy, and I suppose it's worked probably for some people. But um, you know, it, 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 it's 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 like the dating. It's like dating. It's like dating. It's, exactly you, know, you don't right. send yeah. a million messages out that say the same thing. Um, you want to talk about what that person does and, and what they're into um, specifically yeah, I mean, so that... It's a relationships business, right? So yeah. that's your first touch point when you're starting a relationship with someone. And I think, you know, all of these people are storytellers and we all, authenticity and story go hand in hand for some reason, even though stories are lies, usually. <laughs> um, people can tell an authentic message yes, from a non-authentic message. So um, so yeah, if you if you have the time, take the time to uh, to make it genuine. And let them know what you want, what you want. Yeah. Right. What you Absolutely. Want to get out yeah. Of it yeah. It's not fun to go to a meeting where you're. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Here? Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So, so we, we, this is timely, of course, because you've, you've just been to Berlin. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess my question to you is, is how did, uh, did, did that come about? How did we, we end up getting Yeah. That? So, I mean, I wasn't, I, I didn't feel like, like we were ready to go. Um, and this was just me being stupid and naive. So we made this feature film called In Plain View. If you haven't heard about it, uh, this is obviously the first episode of the <laughs> podcast that you've listened to, um, which is fine. Uh, so we, we got financed through the Telefilm Microbudget Program to make this feature film. And uh, it was December, and we had a rough cut that we'd seen. And we were we were like, holy shit, this is actually kind of a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, you, you try for that, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's really nice when it actually happens. So um, you suggested, well, why don't, we, why don't we go to the European film market? It's coming up in February. Um, I've, and I've always felt that the film has a bit of a European feel, feel to it. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. So um, Ampia, which is kind of the Producers Association of Alberta, had just launched this brand new initiative called the Market Access Program. And they were financing, I think, up to five projects that were that wanted to go to either a film festival or a film market anywhere in the world. Uh, they were kicking in 2000 bucks up to 2000 bucks to make it happen. Um, and the point of it is to take your, your product, your asset and market it. It's called market access, right? Gain access to a market. So um, that's what we did. We said, Hey, Ampia, you know, we want to send Scott to Berlin, um, which is where the European film market takes place uh, in February. Uh, can you help us out? And they said, yeah, so that was really exciting. That was kind of a couple of days before Christmas that we found out that we'd gotten it. Absolutely. And and they announced this in conjunction with the mentorship grant as well. Right, yes. Which which is interesting um because just because just before the big power shift happened in Alberta and the NDP took power, the PC government had decided to cut um a couple of things, many things uh, throughout the province, but specifically in our industry. Um two grant sources that were available through the Alberta Media Fund. And those two were a mentorship grant and a market access grant. Um, right. So it's it's great that Ampia has kind of They've replaced those. That, yeah. 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 Um, and, and I mean, the, the application was actually quite simple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously, you have to have a finished film, which is a big, right. which is a big hurdle. And that's why I think yeah. it was on the chopping block because it was an undersubscribed thing right. because, because you have to have a finished yeah. product. Well, and, and, and I shouldn't say finished because our film is right. far from finished. True enough, true enough, yeah. Which but is, ready for the market, yeah. kind of. We, we, and that comes up later, actually, the fact that this movie's not finished okay, yet. Okay, okay. So, um, so, yeah, they're like, okay, you're, you're going. Um, the badge for this cost 400 and something euros, which is about 600 bucks. So it's half the price of BAM. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which is another conversation. Yeah. Uh, so they covered, basically what Ampi was able to cover was the pass, the flights, and the hotel. Mm. Uh, I'm sure that's not a coincidence. <laughs> um, and, and we would have to put the bill for, you know, transportation when we got there and food um, and any other, you know, drinking or whatever else might happen. Mm. So uh, totally fair and, and very generous of them. So... Uh, in the months leading up, um, Berlin became the thing that we were, the target that we were aiming for. So we we kind of took our lessons that you would learn at the American film market and mm-hmm. said, okay, we're doing, you know, we're pulling a John Joffe now and we're going with a film that we can, you know, a finished-ish film that we can show. Um, and also, by the way, now that we're having this meeting, we've also got all these other projects in development uh, there you that go. we'd like to talk to you about. Right. So I got to say that the foot in the door was just so much easier because 
a film market is where people are going to buy product and we are coming with product to show and mm-hmm. sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had the material somewhat, I mean, a big learning moment for me was that everyone we reached out to wanted to see what we had beforehand, which totally makes, totally makes sense. sense. Yeah, we didn't think about it. We're like, let's, <laughs> let's cut a trailer to bring with us. Yeah, we'll have, market. we'll have it ready for the market. Yeah. No, you need to have it ready like, two weeks oh, before the market. Great. Do you have a sales trailer that we can see? <laughs> it's like, oh shit. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because they want to know if you're legit or not. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. and, and, and that's yeah. totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah. They don't want to waste their own time. They don't want to waste your time. If they, if the trailer gives a sense that, oh, this is maybe not what we're looking for. Right. Hello, listeners. I just want to interrupt myself and Matt uh, in this riveting conversation about film markets to tell you about uh, the Calgary Film Center. Uh, We talked a lot about them at the start of the show, and I'm sure we will again uh, because they're fantastic. They're a world-class screen-based production facility, suitably equipped and serviced so you can execute your next project with ease. They have 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages and 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces, complemented by their anchor tenant, William F. White, who is Canada's oldest and largest provider of professional motion picture television, digital media, and theatrical production equipment uh, and cameras soon. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's exciting. So at the Film Center, their aim is to deliver production support for local, national, and international screen industry projects in a purpose-built venue that is designed to service individual client needs. Uh, of course, they also deliver programs to engage and support innovation and excellence in the Film Center and television industry. I'm talking, of course, about the Project Lab, but they also have um, tours, they offer workshops um, and uh, amazing networking events. Definitely something to keep an eye on and you can do that by uh, checking them out at calgaryfilmcenter.com and uh, well, let's get back to the show. So um, Matt, you cut this fantastic sales trailer um, which is totally full of spoilers so we can't really share it with the public unfortunately but I think a very close version of it will yeah, be some, the trailer something that we like share. It, yeah. um, and what what I did was uh, was we, we reached out to Luke Azevedo and a bunch of people, but Luke specifically helped us out a lot beforehand because mm-hmm. he goes all the time. He's the county yeah. film commissioner. So we sat down with him. Um, and as usual, when I go to a meeting with Luke, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. Um, right. I have a question <laughs> or two. And you don't really ever need to ask anything. You just, yeah. just kind of wind him up and, and you say, European film market. <laughs> Boom. Um, and he, he gave us some fantastic insights. So I expected that the purpose of my going there was to um, get as many meetings as I can and hand out as many one sheets as I could and just, uh, you know, just try to sell this film at the market. And that was, again, me being naive, um, I think, because I don't think that ever really happens, nor should it. Right. So he said, nobody wants paper for starters. Mm-hmm. Everybody, all they ever get is paper, paper, paper. They all get one sheets, they get binders, they get lookbooks, and they get home from the market or they they get to their hotel that night. <laughs> or at the airport. All the collateral that they got that day goes on the desk. And then the next day they come with all this collateral and it goes on top of that pile and, and they're leaving to go on a flight. <laughs> and they're not going to throw in. They're not going to bring in, you know, 20 pounds of paper. Yeah. They just throw it in the garbage. Yeah. Which is kind of exactly what I did with all the stuff that I'd been there doing you go. in the market too. Yeah. Um, like the books and all this stuff. So um, don't bring paper was, was a great first tip. So I said, well, how do I give out stuff? And he said, well, put it on a USB stick. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. That sounds expensive. You know, bringing hundreds of USB sticks to hand out. Yeah. And he said, that's not what happens. What actually happens at a market is you probably have 15 to 20 really good meetings. And those are the people that you want to give your USB stick out to. So bring a USB stick, load it up with all of your media, all your trailers for the films you've got in development, your lookbook, your concept art, um, posters, anything that you've got, you can load up onto these USB sticks and bring 15 to 20. And trust me, that's all you'll need. Um, and then we had the idea of creating kind of one-page microsites for all of our projects, including in Plainview that had the trailer. Um, and then one for Synapse and this other movie, Jonesen, that we're getting made, and then this horror movie uh, that we're, we've got in development. So we just created business cards that had the title of the movie, and on the back was the URL to this microsite. Very, very simple. And that way, if I ever was at a party or I was chatting with somebody that was like, oh, tell me more, I could just hand them the business card and they could go. I didn't have to you know, throw a USB stick their way with all this shit on it. Mm-hmm. Um, they could go kind of see what this film was all about. And I got to say, that was probably, I can't imagine a better collateral strategy, which yeah. is such a weird <laughs> combination of words. But because um, I used the shit out of the business cards mm-hmm. and I only gave out, I think, maybe 10 USB sticks. Right, right. Well, and it's like anything else, right? Like 50 might seem viable and half of that will say, no, not it's a not fit. a fit. Yeah, and yeah. then 
and then you've got you know ten good meetings, and and yeah, yeah you know maybe nine or ten or, or fewer will will say yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take some some collateral. I also brought an iPad that was loaded up with mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. trailer, right? Um, and that was by far the most handy tool. To have oh yeah, was it? Meeting, yeah, good, good. Because every single meeting except for I think two had seen the trailer but of course they're inundated with stuff they can't quite remember yeah so you go okay let's start by showing you this trailer you right. buy, i brought headphones they listen to the headphones they watch the trailer and now suddenly the conversation is totally focused right they know what the genre is they know what the film feels like they know kind of what sort of budget level it seems um cool yeah so that was great in the meantime uh at the european film market you get access to the delegates list right which is which does have their email address. Oh, does it? Oh. You can just export it as an Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> really? wow. which is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people attending the market. Yeah. So the European film market, I think, is different in that it's more globally focused. Mm. Um, and, and there actually aren't a ton of American companies there. Not to right. say there are none, because there are, I mean, there's still America. They're still massive. Sure. But there's, you know, there's a huge representation from Germany, from China, from Japan, from Brazil, from France, you know, the UK. This is where they go right. to meet right, and to do their film market thing. So um, I got there, and I spent three full days there. And basically, it was kind of similar, I think, to the American film market, except a lot of it takes place in this single building, um, which is a museum that, that they don't have anything in. They just retrofit it for conferences. And stuff. Oh, okay, cool. So um, you walk in, and there's just booths. It's, just a, it's, just, it's a trade show. It's exactly a trade show. There's booths upon booths upon booths. Of movie posters. That's basically <laughs> what it was. Yeah. Just flooded with movie posters. And, and for me, for uh, the American film market, it, these are the movies that, that you see in the Walmart bin, yes, right? Absolutely. That have, absolutely. That have, you know, a star who was maybe a big deal 20 years ago yeah. or, or like- Or a, a big star in Germany. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So, I, I mean, it's not the studio system because of course it's not, right? The yeah. studio system has their own distribution platform. They're their yeah, own- they don't like to go to these. Yeah. To these markets, yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point, actually. Um, so, so beforehand, before I got there, we we did our due diligence, which took a lot of time. And thank God, Briar exists because she did a lot of that heavy lifting, just finding out which of these people attending this market might be a good fit for us for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we reached out to them with personal emails. Hi, I'm Scott. I've got a Canadian feature film. It's a revenge thriller. We think it might be a good fit for your library. I'm going to be in Berlin from these dates. Do you have time for a meeting? Would love to chat. And the response was was overwhelmingly positive. A lot mm. of people said, yes, let's chat. Um, and uh, and so that kind of happened. So I, I, I filled up my schedule uh, as much as possible with meetings. And even if it's a no, the, and this happened to me too, was, was and at Banff, it happens all the time. It's like, no, we don't have any time, but we'd love to do a call right, exactly. later if yeah, it doesn't which, work which out. Which has yeah. happened since. Yeah. We've had yeah. calls with, with people who didn't have time to meet. And For those sure. are probably some of the most positive meetings. Maybe, yeah. yeah. So... Um, the other side of it, which I'd never considered, was was fact finding, um, and that was something that I didn't realize that I would need to be doing. But it totally was. It was like, what is what product is out there? Mm. What are people buying? What is the global film industry selling? What genres seem to be hot right now? What genres don't seem to be hot right now? Like, go find out what what the world film market looks like. Right. So that was really interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point because you know we were we were just talking with with the first year Sate. TV students, yeah, and and you know, writers, smart writers, are trying to be like, well, if I want to see something get produced, I should be writing something that the market wants, and so that's a great way of finding out kind of at least the temperature of, you know, something that surprised me that you, that you mentioned was was that horror, the horror genre. We've always talked about horror being having its own little built-in audience, and you don't necessarily need stars to get a project off the ground because there's just a ravenous horror uh, audience, but that audience may be dwindling with the DVD market. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's what I heard from from right. one person. Right? Sure. And he, I mean, I trust him, and, I, and <laughs> yeah. based on who he is, I, I feel like that that rang true to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the you know it's changing, and, mm-hmm. and Netflix is changing the game, and the you know the death of the the DVD market is changing changing the game. Mm-hmm. So just yeah, really really fascinating stuff, and thrillers are are everything right now. Mm. Um, specifically female-driven thrillers, right? Um, which is great, and children's programming. You can't you can't kill it. I mean, it's it's everywhere. There's lots of children's stuff. Yeah, um, it's yeah. always a good bet in the fantasy movie league. Children's yeah, movie. children's movies <laughs> for sure. So that was that was kind of the two big things were were fact finding and then meetings, and then they had not as many, not as much programming actually. 
they, had, they didn't have a ton of panels. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you said talks. that the Berlin F- International Film Festival is happening at the same right, time, exactly. right? So the Berlin, yeah, the film festival is happening at the same time. Um, so that was kind of part of it. They had red carpet events with movie stars that I had never heard of or seen <laughs> before, but that people were losing their minds of right, because right. this is the international film. Sure, right? yeah. It's not North America. So hmm. it's really interesting. And something that we haven't talked about is screening, screenings at right, film markets. Right, right. Yes, I forgot about that as well. Yeah. So this happens at the American film market too, is you can rent a movie theater. It's not cheap. It's like a thousand bucks or something like that. Um, and you screen your film, your finished film for distributors and buyers to just come and watch it. Um, and this is kind of the most transactional part of filmmaking that there is, I think. <laughs> so you've got this theater booked out and maybe 10 people show up, yeah. which is fine because you're not trying to pack the house. These are people who are specifically looking to buy and distribute your film. And they need to know what it is, what it is what and it what, is. What, if, what does it feel like in a, in a theatrical environment. Yeah, exactly. Know? And they might come and sit for 10 minutes right. and then leave yeah. because they've got another screening they want to go check yeah. out. And I mean, at the American film market, I didn't, I didn't ever get to go into one of these screening rooms, but they were in the hotel. So they right. couldn't have been very large rooms. It wasn't like a theater sized room. It right. must've been like 10 people's room for 10 people. Right. right. Uh, yeah. And I heard from filmmakers that the worst thing you can do as a filmmaker is attend one of these screenings of your own movie. <laughs> right. they, say, yeah, they say, yeah. do it, you know, rent it. But don't but be don't there. <laughs> yeah. But well, because that puts pressure on the people totally, there too, right? Totally. Like, yeah. and, and it's going to crush your soul. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but that's something that you can sell while you're there hey uh, you know i've got this movie and yeah i've got this you know it's screening at these yeah at these theaters i saw collateral with that like like here's the date and time that right, they exactly. were yeah yeah um so that was a thing um that i didn't really participate in because the movie that we had wasn't finished right so uh it seemed to be a positive response when i told people that we were almost at picture lock mm. because distributors kind of want to be involved early right a lot of the feedback that i heard was was um you should you should talk to us even earlier than this, mm. which I don't think is true. <laughs> Just speaking candidly here, I don't think distributors give a shit unless it's finished-ish, right? Because we've we tried talking to people earlier at the American film market and nobody cared yeah. unless you've got a finished film. So I don't I don't know how true that is. Um, they I think they feel, I think they probably feel that they're being genuine and that they're, they really do want to be involved earlier, but only if they know that the film is going to be finished and going to look like this. And, right, right? right. So there's no risk involved for them yeah. now to say that. For sure, for sure. For sure. Um, but the talks that I did go to were fucking awesome. I, I, I attended a lecture by, um, the production designer of Minority Report and Fight Club and, uh, the new Star Wars movie that's yeah. coming out. Super jelly. Yeah, yeah, you should be. <laughs> you should be. It was fucking awesome. So he talked about world building, um, and he, he didn't call it, um, science fiction. He called it future reality. So it was about really thinking about all the different aspects of the world that you're going to be designing for a a futuristic movie or even the past, you know, like what does healthcare look like? What does, what does the political landscape look like? How does that affect how people get to work? Um, And things that might not have anything to do with necessarily your, your story that you're telling, but just help you create this more immersive world. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of his examples was, I don't know if you remember Minority Report very well, but this this is kind of his major talk was about Minority Report, um, and the scene where Tom Cruise is on the cars as they're going down oh, yeah. up this building, yeah. jumping. That scene did not exist until they had built this world, because they they started going, okay, what is transportation going to look like in a world where there is no murder in a fifty mile radius? Well, everyone's going to move to that fifty mile radius, which means that buildings are going to get extremely tall, hmm. um, and the. And the density is going to be so high that he, he he does this research and he knows that the major, the thing that limits the height of buildings is the elevators in them. Oh, really? Building, yeah. Buildings can't go a certain height because of the the way the elevator system works. Is that so, true? Yeah. I didn't know that. Huh. And and it also takes up a massive amount of space. So we thought, what if, what if cars were also elevators? Right. Right. So it's about going up and down these buildings. Hmm. And so they, they design these cars. What would a car look like that? had to go vertically as well as horizontally. What would that car need to look like? So they designed these cars and they created this concept art of cars going up and down these buildings. And Steven Spielberg went, oh my God, that looks fantastic. Why don't we do a scene on these? Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's yeah. about like bring your production designers in For early, sure. early, For early, sure. early yeah. before your script is even fully written because the world that they build um, is part of the story that you're telling. It's yeah, and that's and that's where that like, like, it's where you start to understand like, oh, when when the Lord of the Rings takes... Uh, 10 years total to an yeah. avatar two has been in, in production for or development yeah. for so long. 
that's that's what you can actually attain when you're working at that level of, yeah, of that's money. Yeah, they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah they're, they're really and and some of your favorite movies are because of that really really in depth authentic world building. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it was a great talk. Um, there, there, yeah, there's so much more. Uh, but he didn't spill any Star Wars secrets before anybody. <laughs> and someone did ask, "Can you tell us anything about Star Wars?" He said, "I can't." Uh, well, it's coming up, man. Like this year is is uh, already we're already. Yeah quarter way through here uh so um what uh what else was i going to say was the, the the other thing that you reminded me of was um that all of these events always have uh government representation and jurisdictional res- re- representation yes so so yeah I, I don't know if we've talked about this even um but but when i was at the, the american film market it was it was like um monaco had like right. hey, we're here and here's yeah. our tax credit and here's yeah. like here's why you should shoot here and um like yeah a bunch of mexico like a, yeah. a bunch of different jurisdictions who are trying to build their film industries are encouraging producers to shoot in their jurisdiction and here's like huge banners of like here's what you get when you shoot here and yeah uh, yeah it was exactly the same with the european film market i learned that i, th- I think it was fiji <laughs> yeah has like a 60 percent tax credit or just absolutely <laughs> insane it was a fiji i can't remember which country it was something huh. like that where it's just like you just see that number and you're like what <laughs> how can this be that's insane but yeah i mean a lot of, uh, they they organize it by country generally mm. um so i mean it's in berlin obviously so the biggest country was germany right um and then the second biggest was italy and the third biggest was Canada. Really? That's how it seemed to me. Hmm. They had a, they had their their own whole room in this museum right. booked. Right. Um, and they had you know, Raven Banner was there, and a couple of other Canadian distributors were there. And they had their own booths within Telefilm's room. Cool. So Telefilm was just immensely supportive. Um, I told them I was going, and they said, "Hey, yeah, you're welcome to hang out at, at the Telefilm sales desk, which is their room. Um, let us know if we can help, you know, bring any collateral and uh, come to our the telephone reception at the Canadian embassy this night and, and network and stuff like that. So, yeah, telephone was great and uh, surprised me actually to see how strong the, the Canada representation was cool. at the market. So how can how can uh, me or you, someone who is a filmmaker, um, prepare for for a market early, early on? Like, like should there be should you be thinking about this? in the writing stage? Um, that's a great question. I don't know. I think so, probably. I mean, we, we talk about um, writing for the market and writing a product that is going to sell, mm-hmm. right, and, and catering your genre to that. But that's also, you can't really time the market either, right? Because right. If, if you heard this and you're going to go, well, I'm going to go write a female-driven thriller, you know, how long until that script's done? Maybe a year. And how long till it gets made? Maybe another year, maybe two years. If you know, if you're doing well, right. So let's say, let's say three or four or five years from now, you've got a female-driven thriller. Well, the market's moved on, and now we're into, you know, Arnie's back, right? You know, yeah. And all it is is Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, but I think just having that, like, just understanding that this is what the film industry looks like as well. It's mm-hmm, not just mm-hmm. yeah. people on set with a camera and a viewfinder, and it's not. It's not theatrical release, yeah, really. Exactly. That's that. That's that's stu- the studio system. That's really not that yeah, attainable. It's not, yeah, it's not a real thing. I mean, yeah. unless unless you are making a, a film with a studio, a theatrical release isn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Choke Slam, which is which is a, a pretty successful Albertan movie. And yeah, they've just announced that they are having a very limited theatrical release. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's terribly expensive to do. Yeah, that. yeah, and, and yeah, and if you haven't heard it before, it sounds like a theatrical release even of a week long in in a few major markets is more of a marketing expense exactly. than actually a designed to get revenue yeah. on ticket sales yeah unless you're a massive blockbuster i mean think about how many movies are made every year and how many are you seeing in your local cineplex or landmark theater yeah you know many. this is something i just i just heard on the slash film cast podcast and and it is uh it's amazon is Locking in, and I could be wrong, so do your research on this, but it's either a $100,000 or $200,000 grab from Amazon for their Prime service. Um, For anyone who is in, I think, I really don't know what I'm talking about. It's either Cannes or Sundance. They've made a deal with with a festival, a very high-level festival. where where anyone they are extending extending automatically to anyone who's been accepted to to the festival, a deal for like a streaming subscription SVOD uh, deal for a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand I'm forgetting as well. Um, yeah, I think it's a hundred and then fifty or seventy five for documentary films. Okay. Um, 
it's like you're in like like if you got into that festival you can have this deal there yeah yeah and wow like automatically it's crazy um but actually really smart i think by amazon yeah yeah Yeah, and it's it's so interesting because that is the markets are the places where people are hungry for content Mm -hmm, right like mm -hmm. they want they want to find a good movie yeah they want to sell a good movie yeah so yeah 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 i mean that's uh, that's kind of what a market is in a nutshell Um, yeah they also had a hotel they also were spread out in a few other locations. And right. They had shuttles running between. Right. Um, and the big boys were in their own hotel rooms. Uh, various, I think, similar okay. to the AMF. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, some of my best meetings were not scheduled. Oh, really? Yeah. They were just people that, you know, you because it was such a trade show style thing, people were there selling and they were open to just having a conversation, hmm. right? I had, yeah, I had a very interesting conversation with an actor at the American film market. And I actually put him in touch with some other filmmakers. And, uh and a composer reached out to me. The composers are are very yes, <laughs> they're yes, the absolutely. best marketers, I think. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's so they, true. They're all about getting uh, getting in your and face. Voiceover and, artists. Yeah. Yes, voice. That's the other one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I feel like we could talk forever, but that's probably about yeah, yeah. Right before it gets boring, if you haven't already gotten bored already. Mm-hmm. But if you have questions, uh, we're happy to totally to continue of course. this conversation with of you uh, individually. Um, so again, check out the Ampia Market Access Grant because it's available to producers from all around Alberta. Mm-hmm. They have another intake, I think, in March. It might be passed when this episode is. Yeah, I think I, aired, it actually but... just just got announced, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah, when we're airing this, but yeah. so yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, reach out to us. Hello at ABC Filmcast. Yeah. yeah, cool. Well, hopefully this was useful. Yeah, and go make something. Yes, <laughs> and go, go make, make something. something, and sell it. All right. Well, uh, thanks, you and me. Thanks, you and me. We're so smart. <laughs> I hope that was useful for people. Um, and it's nice that we uh, we could share that. Um, kind of a different style for the show. And we're talking about doing a similar episode in the future um, about a different different topic, but kind of just some learnings that you and I have. Yeah, well, I think the benefit of that, I'm just I'm just thinking, realizing this right now, um, is, that, is that we can talk about that stuff without having to you know, tell our listeners our story and, and do right. all that. Like this is a yeah. project that we're working on. It's just like, we can just focus on a single topic. Right. Um, which maybe we should do with other filmmakers too, but I feel like there's so much more to cover, right? Like, yeah. And I guess we have the advantage of the, the audience maybe knowing a little bit more about oh, what we're up to. And if you're right, a recurring exactly. listener, you probably know about our journey with in plain view a little bit and, and getting into Jones in as well. And so, um, so yeah, maybe there's some extra context with us. Um, but yeah, so uh, we, we've got another one planned uh, very soon. Um, but thanks for listening to that. Now let's move on to the news you can use presented by Bleeding Art Industries. Um, and they have their weekly tip. Yeah, I love these tips. Um, and this uh, this week is uh, especially dear to my heart because it's about the script. And it mentions Game of Thrones. I know, I know I've seen the words <laughs> Game of Thrones and now I'm, I'm glad that I'm the one who gets to read this. So um, we all know this, but it bears repeating. The most fundamental component from which everything else flows on a film or series is the script. The script is the blueprint for the actors, the crew, and the producers to use as their guide for all preparation, planning, and budgeting. Um, It is absolutely an essential document, of course, obviously, but if the script isn't nailed down well in advance, or if it's just arbitrarily changed during the shoot, it creates a chaotic situation that can erode the cast and crew's ability to deliver their best work. A perfect example of this is not... A perfect, a perfect example of this not happening is the legendary Game of Thrones. All scripts were written well in advance for the entire season. No changes were made. Locked. Everyone knew what they had to do, and as anyone who has watched the show knows, it is executed perfectly. Nailing down the script well in advance of the shoot can mean the difference between chaos and success. And that's totally true. And, yeah, and, and yeah. I think I think too many people don't uh, aren't worried enough about that. Mm-hmm, They're like, mm-hmm. I don't worry about that. We'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, we're, we're writing the scripts and finding locations and stuff. And um, you can really uh, damage your production by doing that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, alrighty. Well, thanks, Bleeding Art. And um, let's dive into this wonderful list of items. The first uh, being the New Voices Production and Mentorship Program being put on by the CSIF. Um, you know, Scott and I sit on the on the board of the CSIF, and we can tell you that uh, there's still room, uh, and we're definitely looking for people to engage in the New Voices production and mentorship program. This is an opportunity for for uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous youth ages 14 to 18 uh, and giving those people the opportunity to, to create works of art on Super 8 film, uh, including a full scholarship with equipment access and food uh, and trans, uh, transportation subsidies are also available. So 
Um, this is a very cool uh, kind of long-term um, workshop over the course of, wow, it's, uh, it starts in June and seems to end uh, in March of next year. So you're actually going to get taken through the entire process. It looks like, right. Uh, so there's, there's like intensives, right? So it's like four weekends right. yeah, in yeah. the summer four in the fall. For sure. So, yeah. so, which is a cool way to make a film, right? Because yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it gives, gives you time to, to create the script and, and get your shoot ready. And there's a whole editing section. And so very cool opportunity for, uh, for new voices. And it's subsidized. It is. I see that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thanks to a grant from the Calgary foundation. Um, all expenses, including equipment and food will be covered. Um, so does that mean that it's completely free? They're just looking for people to sign up. You'd think I would know that. Yeah, we, we, we did talk that. about it. Let's, but, uh, uh, let's find out. Yeah. Uh, some more information about it while we find that out. Um, they are, there are going to be, um, some really established filmmakers, uh, uh, kind of teaching and mentoring the students, um, during the course of the, uh, program um, covering things like screenwriting, sound recording, blocking, operating film equipment, uh, the chemical process be- behind developing film, and splicing, editing Super 8 film uh, with the help of their fellow participants. Each student will get to create their very own short film. The films will then be screened for the public at the 27th Artifact Small Format Film Festival in March of 2019. That's cool. It is amazing, and there's a critical word that that we both missed Oh, and that is that the new voices is a fully subsidized program. Fully, all right, cool. That's amazing. So it's free. What a great thanks to the Calgary Foundation. Um, And it and it is open to to indigenous and non indigenous youth, uh, fourteen to eighteen. So if you've got a young person in your life who's looking to get some experience working with uh, with film, film. This is not video. Uh, It is a super eight project. Um, But what a cool kind of finished project you could end up with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, If you've got a finished film. You can submit it to the Edmonton International Short, or sorry, Edmonton International Film Festival, and the the closing submission deadline is coming up on June first, and filmmakers will be notified on or before July fifteenth. Uh, the portals to submit are in the link in the show notes, or you can check out edmontonfilmfest.com uh, to submit. Hey, if you've never done a forty eight hour filmmaking challenge, uh, you should definitely check it out. It's a blast. Um, we used to do them when we were young, yeah. young and and could survive without sleep. I remember one uh, one year. I think we got four hours of sleep the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah. do, are you talking about when we drove to Edmonton and shot, and then drove back, or is that a different one? Uh, no, that was, I'm talking about a different one, but that was <laughs> stupid. That too. was nuts. But like, I was, you were editing while I was driving, driving us back, back to Calgary. Yeah, I was editing and, and doing sound post in the car, which is not a good environment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we drove right to Casablanca to drop the DVDs yeah, off. And we were like minutes. It was, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, great stories come from these 48 totally. hour filmmaking challenges to be sure. So, uh, Okotoks, the Okotoks Film Festival Society is, ho- is hosting one. Uh, and you have until today at 6 p.m. What am I saying? Is that what it is? Today it's 6 p.m. No, 18th. Uh, May 18th to, uh, to collect your package. It looks like it's this weekend is what I'm saying, uh, which means that uh, it is uh, May 18th. Um, oh, oh. So starting, I don't know yeah. if you can. Oh, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. 18th is the deadline. It looks like 6. No. It must not be. It must you know not what? Me Just click point. the link in the show notes. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, it may or may not still be available. Uh, check out the it's an Eventbrite link. Uh, it is this Friday. It is this weekend. So you, this weekend. I would bet that you can still sign up. Um, but yes, I would agree. But yeah, it, it's this weekend. So it's a blast. That's <laughs> gonna should, be intense. Do yeah, go for it. <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe maybe Briar already has this somewhere. But we should mention that we're doing a live recording of the podcast with the Okotoks Film Festival. We'll talk more about that soon. But that's on Certainly. June eleventh. Uh, so Fava, the uh, Film and Video Arts Society in Edmonton, uh, has my my home court. Yeah, yeah. The, I'm so jealous of FAVA. I think I say that every time I bring them up. Uh, they have a notice of special members meeting of the of FAVA on May 23rd at 6 p.m. Um, they'll be holding a special members meeting to review the 2017 financial statements as prepared by Peterson Walker Accountants. Um, yeah, May 23rd, 6 p.m. in the exhibition suite at FAVA. So if you want to see those sweet, sweet financial statements... Uh, you know what? It's important though because it is. They do need they do need membership to be there. Totally. Uh, so yeah, yeah and do. and financial statements tell a story. And, sure. and budgets tell a story, and uh, you know, being engaged in your community. I don't need to tell people in Edmonton. They know all this. They're yeah, they're engaged. There will be people there. Yeah, uh, you know, it's good if a lot of people show up. But uh, they have a very supportive uh, membership, so I'm sure some folks will show up and make that uh, success. Uh, all right, so if you're a fan of documentary, um, then you should check out a workshop happening, uh, being put on by the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers. 
Um, and it's being instructed by Dominique Keller, who is a, a fantastic uh, documentary filmmaker here in uh, Calgary. Um, and the, re- uh, the deadline to apply uh, to register is uh, May 21st, and it happens Saturday, May 26th, and Sunday, May 27th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., $160 for members and students and $200 for non-members. Um, you should really check out Dominique's work if you haven't already uh, because she makes some really cool stuff and, and like some some really uh, well-awarded and, and oh, totally. nationally yeah, recognized absolutely. documentary yeah, stuff. Yeah, so she's fantastic. She'd be great to learn from. Um, IATSE 212 in Calgary is putting on an LX1 workshop. LX, of course, standing for electrics. Mm. Um, so it's a half-day introductory workshop on working in film in the lighting department. The course will start at 8 o'clock on uh, May 26th, which is a Saturday, and should finish at around 1 p.m., followed by a written exam. This is a required course to be accepted into the lighting department uh, for the union. So they'll focus on equipment identification and job expectations. Handouts will be provided on the day, um, and you have to submit your permit application to IATSE prior to registering for the course. So if you want to get into the electrical department, um, now is the time to get get the ball rolling on that. Get in touch with IATSE 212 um, and fill out a permit application and register for this course. It's only $25 for members or $45 for permits. Yeah, and and I was speaking with uh, Damien, who who is in charge of IATSE 212, and and uh, he mentioned some some really exciting stuff, and not, not just when it comes to productions that are coming to town this summer, but also... Um, that they they really have a need for uh, a really fully financed uh, well financed <laughs> that's where my brain is right now trying to do financing no they have a need for a fully uh, kind of crude crew like a robust crew. yes that's crew the base. sure yeah exactly yeah uh, and so that doesn't that that means a, a collection of different things um, right and so uh, so yeah that's that's certainly one of them um, and. He had he had mentioned as well that um, whenever they put on the set etiquette and and, and training uh, set etiquette and protocol course, um, you know, as is the way with a lot of things, you know, a, a certain percentage of the people who uh, pass that class um, actually proceed to enter the union or enter right. the industry, um, and because that was being put on so rarely, we've talked about this before. Uh, it was kind of like twice a year and you might have to go to Edmonton or you might have to come to Calgary to, to make, uh, to make one of these events. Um, his, his idea was, well, if we want more people and it seems to be guaranteed that a certain percentage of them are going to go into the industry. Right. So why not put on more? So he puts right. on, he's, he's now putting one on every month. Uh, it is the set etiquette and protocol pro, uh, workshop or, or I'm not sure what you'd call it class. Um, and you need it for both IATSE and uh, the DGC if you're interested in going that route. And uh, yeah, we talk about it all the time because it's all, there's one every month now, which is very exciting. So uh, instructed by two-time Emmy winner Gail Kennedy, members, uh, $40, permit, $40. If you're just somebody off the street, it's $40. So check it out. It's happening May 26th, 11 a.m. Uh, at the IATSE uh, offices, which has a great kind of learning area. And um, kind of check that box so you can, uh, you know, have everything you need to get into the industry. Uh, they're, they're also putting on a GRIP-1, which is the, the sister kind of workshop to LX-1. Um, so if you want to join the, uh, the technical union um, as a GRIP, uh, you have to take this one day or half day workshop. This is happening on May 27th, which is the next day. Um, at William F. White, uh, same price, $25 for members, $45 for permits. Uh, and you have to apply for your permit before registering for the course. So, uh, yeah, just check out IATSE212, which is I-A-T-S-E 212.com, uh, and check out more about these courses because they're uh, they're the, the way into this to doing that kind of stuff totally. on a union show. Totally, yeah. Um, uh, though if you're if you're uh, a young person, uh, another way into the industry uh, or to get some exposure and, and get started, uh, and actually something that I did when I was uh, 17 years old, uh, was the Summer Media Arts Camp, which is uh, an event that gets put on every year by the CSIF. Uh, and it is uh, being instructed by Yvonne Abuso. Uh, and it is for, yeah, for, for kids 15 to 18 who are interested in, in learning about film, creating some films. Um, it's a really cool week-long process where you get to direct, shoot, edit, and uh, create a finished film. Um, and then it gets premiered at the CSIF where participants and the public are invited to attend. 
Um, so yeah, if you've got a young person in your life, if you are a young person, you should check this out. Um, you're going to want to talk to production director, Nick Haywood over at the CSIF. You can email him at production at CSIF.org, or you can call them at 403-205-4747. And it actually only costs $320 for a week long course. That's not too bad. Um, so, uh, it's July 9th to 13th, 9am to 5pm. Dope. Uh, okay. What's shooting right now uh tin star season two happy to have them back still going as still far going. as i know yeah 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 um and abracadabras of course which is uh a film center and telus project uh, it's right. actually a road trip movie so they're all over in bc and alberta mm-hmm. uh, someone made a joke on facebook the other day where aren't they shooting <laughs> which uh is kind of true yeah uh, yeah so that's pretty exciting that's cool yeah uh, there are some job calls uh, available, one of them being the uh, production director role at M Media. Um, so this is a cool gig for somebody who's kind of technically focused. Um, they, uh, the, the folks over at M are looking for uh, someone to uh, be responsible for all aspects of the media arts production and post-production at M Media, including equipment management and upkeep, attending to the needs of uh, artists' affiliates, and additional support for programming's technical needs, uh, as well as administering ongoing production access programs, facilitating special projects, workshops, and grant writing. Um, it's a 35-hour-per-week position, uh, and a regular work schedule uh, is about seven, seven hours per day. Uh, though, unlike most uh, places, they are closed on Mondays and open Saturdays, so, you, so you'd be working Tuesday to uh, Saturday uh, from 11 right, to 6 course. p.m. Right, of course, yeah. Uh, 38k available for this role uh and um, that's a lot of k yeah you'd be starting june 19th um so check out the show notes for more information on that um they are uh definitely looking for somebody uh strong and that's you know that's a kind of an opportunity that doesn't come up all the time um it could be a really cool job for the right person. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just think about all the the filmmakers that you get to meet and interact with all the time, all the gear that you're going to get to, to, you know, get your hands on and and practice with and figure out how to use. Um, Mm -hmm. Just even just hanging out with Vicky is she's amazing. Totally. Um, Totally. There's so much to learn from her. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a sweet job and working full time in the film industry. (laughs) Yeah. No doubt. By the way, which is rare. Yeah. Um, there's another job call for the editor in chief, uh, for Luma, which is the quarterly, uh, media or filmmaking publication, uh, which is a partnership between the CSIF and M media. Um, the editor in chief will work on a part-time basis to develop and edit content for the publication, uh, in accordance with the mandates put on by CSIF and M media. Uh, they'll also be working with the editorial committee and the advisory committee. Um, it's a pretty sweet gig. Uh, so there are, uh, it's, there's a new issue every quarter. Um, there's an honorarium for this position per issue. It's a thousand dollars. So, um, for the amount of time that it takes, it's kind of a sweet sort of do it, you know, when you've got your time, mm-hmm. your own time kind of income. Right. Uh, the deadline to apply is June 1st and the official start date is August 15th. Uh, and you can send, um, a cover letter, current CV and three writing samples to programming at mmedia.ca and to programming at csif.org. Right, because Luma, did you already mention this, is a, is a kind of partnership between yeah, yeah. M and CCSF. Yeah, yeah so cool. Um, all right, well, uh, that's our show. Quick recommendation from me. Uh, I have been, uh, you know, I've been looking around for a long time for a really great um, kind of production management software that's not crazy, insanely expensive, um, but kind of has the ability to, you know, put a team together, put your crew together, you know, you know, build your call sheets out of that, you know, up, you know, upload all your locations and your, and your, all that stuff and create a, a nice, easy call sheet. And it seems like it's taken forever for, for kind of the tech industry to pick up on the fact that right. this is a real hole right. in the industry. I thought synchronize was going to be it. And then it seemed to stall out for yeah, a few years. Yeah, you're right. Um, I still use it, uh, but it doesn't feel like anybody's home there, although I think it did get purchased by EP. Uh, my main point, though, is there's there's a new-ish uh, uh, piece of software out there, which is an online app called Studio Binder, and uh, they have a free version um, where you can you can access you know all of the goodies that uh, come with um, that. So we're talking about ability to upload your script and... Um, Break it down, add your actors, add your crew, um, create call sheets, you know, create locations, uh, uh, 
sheets and as well as um, your, your schedule. So um, it could be uh, very useful. Now, I, I, I say I recommend it. I haven't actually gotten into it, uh, really dug into it uh, fully. But, you know, depending on the version you purchase, which is, you know, it goes up and up and up depending on how many projects you want and, and so on and so forth, um, there's more functionality. But I'm right now I'm trying out the uh, free version, uh, which only allows you to have one project, but it does seem to have, you know, most of the functionality you want. Um, but, uh, I, so anyway, I recommend it, but I'm also saying, uh, if you check it out, I'd love to hear what you think, right? because I'm still very much learning about it. So I, I don't know if it's a full recommend just yet, but check it out. I'm stumped, Maddie. No, oh, okay. I'm stumped on a recommendation. No worries. Uh, you know, we've been, we've been using a lot for our corporate stuff is the DJI Ronin. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's true. It's it's uh, you know it's it's kind of its own character on set. It's got a mind of its own <laughs> for sure. Um, I remember the first time I was on set with it, I was an AD and and it was not cooperating, and it was like we're losing yeah. an hour. So yeah, uh, so um, yeah, it it does seem to have a mind of its own. It, it is getting better, um, and and as we use it more and more, we're learning to troubleshoot. Right, right. Those things, but yeah. man, you balance the camera on that thing. You throw on like a fourteen millimeter prime. Nice Once it sharp. works. And you, if you get that moving through like a space, like if you want to show off a restaurant or, uh, you know, a building uh, on the inside, yeah, or, yeah. Um, it is amazing. It gives you the ability to do what you've always wanted to do, which is have a perfectly still camera while in well, motion. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you don't have to set up, you know, a jib. Yeah, or a crane yeah. or a dolly, um, and you're not you're not kind of stuck with that. Once you set exactly, up the jib, yeah, you only you, have a certain range of motion. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. and then you'd be like, "Ooh, what if we did this kind of move?" And I got to move the jib with the Ronin. You yeah. just walk over there and do it. Right. Um, yeah, it's an incredible tool, uh, and I would recommend people you know give it a spin. Vistec has one. Uh, I'm not sure if the camera store has one for rent, but they might. Um, but it's uh, it is the future of of filmmaking. Uh, I know it, and, and by future I mean the present, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but also the future because uh, robots are only getting smarter. And this is <laughs> yeah. this is a robot taking the job of every the dolly grips and the crane operators. Very true. But yeah, it's pretty cool, and it it really frees you up. So I guess that's the recommendation is the Ronin DJI Ronin. Check it awesome, out. awesome. Well, big thanks to Briar, Chad, Britt, and Seth, who all make this uh, podcast a reality, uh, as well as all, all of our sponsors. And don't forget that the show is all about you and uh, what you're up to. So please do reach out. We want to hear about what you're uh, what you're doing. You know, every time we talk about what's shooting, and there's only one or two or three things, I know that you know we're leaving out a ton of stuff that you know we just don't know about. Smaller productions, sure, but. But we want to know about them, um, so let us know, and you can uh, you can reach us. Well, where can you reach us? Well, you can reach us uh, on any of our social media profiles. It's very easy. We're at AB Filmcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, um, or you can send us an email. Uh, and you know, we're actually starting to get more of them now. Um, yeah, it's true. People are kind of realizing, oh, if I send them an email, they do like we, we'll <laughs> yeah. put it on the podcast. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and it's a great way to reach out to your community because people actually do listen. So you can email us at hello at abfilmcast.ca. Uh, and of course, please do follow us, uh, like us, uh, you know, give us those sweet, sweet five-star reviews on iTunes because it does help uh, the podcast to be discovered by new filmmakers who might not uh, necessarily know how to get started in the industry or uh, other filmmakers who uh, haven't heard of us yet. Yeah, so. yeah, it makes a big difference for sure. For sure. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors and uh, one more message from our sponsors coming up uh, from APA. But once you've listened to that, go, go make, make some. Something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.